Hey baby, we hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. A doop and doo doo, a doop and doo wow. They're calling again. Baby, I've got you pegged. You're listening to We're Not Listening, the Frasier Recap and Advice Podcast from Molly Shea and me, Nick Francomano. Welcome to the pod this week, Not Listening listeners. We're discussing season one, episode 11 of the landmark sitcom Frasier. <laughs> the title of this week's episode is Death Death Becomes becomes Him, him. and it is the story of a man staring into the abyss, dealing with questions, grappling with ancient themes of existential despair. Mortality, one's impact on life and civilization. Yeah, What what does one leave on to future generations? Is it just debt? Or is it anything of worth or impact? Well, Frazier has a positive net worth. I, I'm almost sure of it. I mean, I, I think he maybe got a, you know. What about psychological debt? Psychological debt? He does turn Freddy goth in the later seasons. That's my favorite so episode of Frasier. Perhaps, you know, perhaps he does pass on some of these neuroses down the line. And how many times have we... We haven't even seen Freddy yet. No, we we haven't seen Freddy yet. I think he's mentioned them. Freddy gets mentioned in this episode, but not necessarily in the place where you'd think. Well, I feel like they mentioned Freddy quite frequently at the beginning of the series, and then you kind of forget that he even exists. Well, it it streamlines things a lot more because, you know, Frasier is ultimately... Man about town. Yeah, well, for the audience, it's a show about a guy out there trying to, trying to get laid. Sometimes, you know, and well, can't have a bunch of. He still hasn't started. Well, I guess this is where he starts a streak. But spoiler alert. Yeah, this this one it comes. It really lends a dark quality to Frasier's romantic escapades. The way that it gets started in this episode. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get out over our skis here, so to speak, Molly. Right. Uh. This one starts off, for some reason, this is very inconsistent use of title cards as the series goes on. This is Also, I felt like the pacing in this was like way different than a lot of the other episodes. Yes. Well, it, it moves, this episode moves at what you might describe as a funereal pace. <laughs> yeah. This episode is not, uh, you know, allegro. It is a, it is a dirge, I, for sure. I, I mean, I, I did look at the time a couple of times, but I was still enjoying it, though. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I think this episode needed to be a slow one to let us really inhabit to feel Frazier's crisis. Yeah, to feel the sand slipping Just through the hourglass, trickling, <laughs> trickling. Kernel yes. by kernel, as Socrates said, "We are all just dust in the wind, dude." Yeah, um, Socrates. Anyway, be excellent to each other. Be. Excellent to each other. This episode starts off no title card, like I was yeah, saying. Yeah, we just go right into, right into it. They're well, at the apartment. Well, right? we go into a lot. I mean, a lot of weird stuff where Daphne is making lunch for Niles, and she's like waiting on him, hand and foot. Well, she's. I feel like he's shown up, and she's just kind of going about her day. But and I want to know yeah. how the topic of why she's single has come up. Oh, yeah. Well, she comes out. This is the first line of the episode, I think. She comes out and she says, believe it or not, I've never had a serious boyfriend before. 
which, you know, is shocking to Niles. Shocking, but also a relief that he could possess her in a more virginal way. Right. Um, and Niles goes into some unfortunate fantasy reveries a couple of times in yeah. this episode. Yeah, they're pretty funny, though. Like, so basically Daphne is talking about how she was close to being in a relationship. She was being set up, but the guy was sort of uh, mamsy-pamsy. And so she said something like, oh, I just like my men a my little bit gents, more. She likes her gents more on the manly side. And uh, Niles immediately squashes a uh, origami, origami napkin. Uh, yeah, he was swan. making a swan napkin <laughs> ring or something for it. Well, he, sa- he he denies that it was a swan. He says, no, no, it's a B-52. And Niles comes back and tr- this macho thing carries through the episode. This is, again, like we've been talking about on the pod, uh, a vestigial beeline. A vestigial B story uh, in the episode. This thing, because but this is it, where this was a pretty spicy episode between Daphne and Niles. Or just seeing Niles's like uh, affection just run rampant. Yeah, and for a woman who's psychic, she's really not picking up on what Niles thinks about her. Either that, or she's just desperately trying to cling to her jaw without any drama. Uh, yeah, or that. <laughs> I mean, you you know. <laughs> You have to introduce the whole bummer element. Yeah, of it, I, I guess. mean, how many times am I clueless, and how many times am I purposely clueless? You know. Wow, that's like a Exo Jane headline there for you. <laughs> Does Exo Jane still exist? I don't know. Exo Jane, if you're listening, call me. I've got lots of pitches for you. Uh, anyway. It turns out that Martin's doctor's office has called. Martin skipped his appointment. So Frazier's come home. They tell him Martin skipped his appointment. And they go into, you know, Martin's fear of the doctor. Which seems kind of inconsistent considering how much medical care Martin probably typically needs, especially with Daphne. Yeah, I think in this episode, they just kind of come up with it as a little... It's not necessarily very consistent characterization, but it's just plays into how Marty is supposed to be like an old-fashioned tough guy right. who doesn't, you know, want to go see the doctor. And especially it's not it doesn't really get explicitly stated in this episode, but it's implied that what he needs from the doctor's office is like a colonoscopy. Yeah. So, you know, I can There's understand. There's a lot of butt stuff going on in this episode. Yeah, and much of it is very funny. So, Martin comes back to the apartment and it, we uh, he starts lying about how he's been to the doctor. He so Fraser band-aid yeah. on him. Yeah, Fraser hits him up with all these fake medical questions and he lies his way through all of them and then they pull the fake band-aid off and see there's no needle hole there. Funny stuff. But the you know, then Martin goes off on why he hates his doctor. He says, This is I thought was so funny. Oh, yeah. The doctor has a model colon on the desk and he keeps his tongue depressors in the colon, which is like hilarious really demented in a way too i wish we could have seen that scene yeah you know in like a that's like out of uh it's like something i would make out of ceramics 90s art movie where the doctor is like taking the depressor straight out of the oh. colon and jamming it in your mouth i feel like that's very uh like cronenberg what's the the twin one called oh uh what uh, is the twin the where double. it's jeremy irons is the gynecologist yeah yeah god I love Cronenberg. We talked about Cronenberg last week, too. It's we're, we're big Cronenberg fans. We're Cronenberg fans, and I think it's also from the same era. Yeah. Don't double-check me on that, but I think it's definitely of the same era as That might as be a, like a couple of years uh, earlier or later, yeah, but, but definitely Frasier-themed. Like, kind of, I feel like that's like a YouTube video, you know, that somebody could do, that I'm not going to do, but somebody could do that. 
YouTube video of Frasier cross with whatever that David Cronenberg movie is. So then it kind of comes up like, why are you afraid to, you know, go to the doctor? And um, basically Martin is just nervous. And uh, I think someone recommends that he get go to like a female doctor. Yeah, Frasier recommends that if Martin doesn't like his doctor, he can go see Frasier's doctor, one of the top gastroenterologists in the state of Washington. But she's a woman. And Martin... No way. Yeah. Not And happening. I thought this was also funny because he says he wants to see wingtips between his legs when he's bent over. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> perhaps that's a so little... So do I, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. <Goals. laughs> I When I, He said it's like, if anybody's going to be looking up there, I want to bend over and see wingtips between my legs. And it's like... Like, okay. But anyway... And then, um, so they, then Niles recommends that he go to see a doctor who's in Niles's building, and this doctor's name is. Oh wait, well we have to yeah, we have, have to, to get into this because because stuff, Daphne, though. Daphne says something kind of suggestive as well. She says, you know, that Martin is being hypocritical because women have to go see men doctors all the time, or male doctors all the time, and she complains about having to. Uh, go to a male doctor. She and says, "Vulnerable and naked yeah. in a room. See how you like waiting in that room, all naked and helpless and goosebumpy." And Niles Just starts salivating, yeah. staring at her. He's yeah, and so then, and then they they have trouble getting Niles's head back in the conversation. This is when Niles recommends that Martin go see the doctor in his building. And I skipped ahead to this because I think it's so funny and it's never addressed. But the doctor's name is Doctor Gary Newman. Like cars, tube way army cars, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a Gary Newman fan over here, and it never gets addressed that the guy's name is Gary Newman because that's probably a deep cut for the mainstream television audience. And I'd like to layer in a little Gary Newman right now into the episode, but we get a copyright violation, so well, we can we can hum it. No, that's enough, that's as much as you can hum, that's all you can hum. Um, I think even that's cutting it close. Gary, if you're listening, I know We're that sorry. <laughs> I know that Gary's a fan of the pod. Gary, if you're listening, it's you know, write us a little letter, say it's fine. So now we go on to the next scene, and again, no title card on the next scene. So there are title cards in this episode, but for some reason They're all weird. They're just not they're totally inconsistent. And I don't know why they would do that. It kind of pulls me out of it. Yeah, it it didn't feel like we were in the same reality of the show because they were going to too many places? Yeah. Well, they go to places. I still think it's sort of in the same reality of the show. I think we've just had a couple episodes that are really very Frasier's apartment-centric. Yeah. And last week was very studio-centric. Yeah, or we'll start at the studio, or the studio will be within yeah. the first Well, this one, I, I wanted to point out also, this one doesn't start with an advice call. There's no advice call in it. In no. fact, there's barely anything in the studio in it. So, But the the next scene goes to Martin and Frazier are in the waiting room for Dr. Gary Newman, and they have a little badinage, a little back and forth. Which yeah, I think Frazier is, a, is reminiscing because he's thinking about like, oh, remember when our roles were reversed and you were taking me here to get my, sh- or take me to the doctor to get shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess like, I like this little detail that the reason why the reason I guess Fraser was able to not be afraid the of the pain, pain of his tetanus yeah. shot right in his little tuchus was a 
was he memorizing? He recited the titles of all of Puccini's, Puccini's opera operas. while the nurse was giving him his injection. Yes, and I mean, what a delightful uh, rapscallion to and do something like that. That's when Martin says, that's when I knew you'd never be a cop. And there's two great psychiatry jokes in this episode and we we kind of rode roughshod over niles is really funny one where niles says this is just like his multiple personality workshop from last week where he has to fill out all the name tags this week he says i have my abandonment issues workshop and i've already missed it twice i can't miss it again which is mm, you can't so see i'm just chef's kiss to mwah, that mwah. and then in this one Martin and Fraser are in the waiting room. Martin says, do you always keep your patients waiting like this? You know, we're supposed to see they've been waiting a long time. And Fraser says, just the compulsives. It's part of their therapy. But then he laughs about it. Like, actually, Fraser is quite sadistic. Yeah. Um, and uh, while Martin is waiting, he's talking to a older woman in in the waiting room. And oh, she's, really decrepit old bag. Absolutely. He's just really reflecting all the worst things that he's thinking about in terms of like mortality and being oh, old. And yeah. she's like super hypochondriac. She's making being old look really horrible. Her joints are flaring up because the weather is getting cold. Uh, she's got flaky skin. She's just got all kinds of problems. She's just got, you know, fatigue, <laughs> brain fog. And I love, like, uh, she finally asks him what he's in there for, and he says, I have, I sensitive, have sensitive nipples, nipples which I is, have... like, such a... Well, because they were reading the Cosmo quiz to pass <laughs> the time. They were... Well, yeah. also, it's just, like, this is, I think, the first episode you can see Martin be really cranky. Yeah. Like, he says something about not wanting a woman doctor and having, like, he kind of barks at this lady for having sensitive nipples, and then he gets really angry when they discover that the doctor is a no-show. Yeah. The doctor's a no-show. Well, <laughs> so it turns out the reason the doctor is keeping them waiting is that he died. <laughs> he died that morning, and that's why he hasn't made it into the office. So Frazier finds out from the doctor's uh, secretary there that the doctor's dead. And so he goes over to tell his dad, you know, the doctor can't make it. And then the doctor is... Uh, or then Martin freaks out. He says, that arrogant, inconsiderate jerk. What's his problem? You know, did he find, did he miss his tea time? Did he have to, you know, play another nine holes before he could see me? And then Fraser's like, no, he died. And Martin goes, 180. Sure he was a, sure really he was great, a good man. Great guy. great guy. And this is when we also find out Fraser's age. Fraser's, 41. Well, we find this on the next scene that Fraser's 41 oh. years old. And we find out that Roz is younger than him. Uh, and we find out that Roz is dating an older man in the next scene. Yeah, and I love this back and forth between both of them uh, because... Oh, this scene, by the way, has a title card. What's the title card? Well, I'm lousy at tennis, which I get it's go, it plays off the joke that, that this scene ends on, but is, I mean, this one might as well... Why, you know, why have a title card if it's not going to be good? Why have one title card in the episode if it's not going to yeah, be great? Yeah, the title cards were really lacking. Just leave it out, guys. Just leave it out. That's my tip. That's my go back in time. You know, girls with the time machine. Oh, I'm your granddaughter. Nick with the time machine. Hey, sort out the season title one, cards. episode 11 of Frasier, <laughs> writer's room. All title cards or no title cards? Choose. I'm in there with the, you know, suicide vest back in time, out of my mind, temporal psychosis, getting them to change this episode. I mean, I would uh, fix one of the episodes that was lacking more than than this one, though. You would change. You would go back in time and you would change different episodes. Yeah. Well, we can get to that like later. Like the one I didn't like. We I can. Forgot which one that was already? 
Um, so basically, Roz is afraid that she's going to kill her lover by having sex with him and giving him a heart attack and then die. Yeah. So, <laughs> Roz, and she's like, ooh, and sometimes he starts breathing all weird, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting him really turned on or because I'm getting him dangerously turned on or something like that. And yeah. Fraser's like, you know, well, that's, you know, you have a very high opinion of yourself here, Roz. And she says, you got to be good at something. Yeah. And I guess that's like, oh, somebody have to, you know, you have to be good at some things, but well, I'm lousy at tennis. And that's the title oh, card. Oh, is that and where it's tying it in? I think that's how it ties in. That's, ba- that's bad. It's not good. I it's might not, join you on this it's rampage. It's not good. We're going back this in time. time rampage. Listen, if it goes right, no one has to get hurt. Well, if it that's, goes right, yeah. when this episode's done being recorded, it won't even be part of our conversation anymore. Oh, yeah. We'll like have like this, two minutes missing. This episode won't even exist. If this episode had been written correctly, I mean, who knows what might have happened? I mean, uh, this yeah. could be a 10 out of 10 cafe lattes. It's, I'm talking full-blown butterfly effect here, Molly. If this wow. episode had been different, if there had been title cards in every scene of this episode... We would have been so successful, we wouldn't even have a podcast about Frasier. We'd be recording these podcasts... We'd be recording a podcast about something meaningful and important from our condo on Mars. Yeah, that's yeah. true. We wouldn't be, you know, dicking around with this. We'd be doing the Curing Cancer podcast... No, Duh. that's lame. Because cancer wouldn't exist. We oh, would cancer would already have been cured. Well, yeah. it would be a recap podcast. Of it cancer? would still be a re- yeah, be recapping <laughs> cancer. We'd recap all the cancers. You know, <laughs> episode one, osteoblastoma. Episode two. I don't even know if that's a real one, but they all sound like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to get onto the cancer podcast tip. So <laughs> it's a wide, a wide open frontier. It probably isn't, which is the terrible part. Hey guys, hey guys. Remember cancer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should start hopeful podcasts yeah, like ho- that. Hopeful podcasts from alternate futures. Remember, remember COVID? When it, remember that was happening? Uh, well, that now we're if there's definitely going to be like VH1. I love COVID uh, with like I love an- pandemic. Like Andy Dick talking head and like some you know. Big, remember yeah. when we had to go home before ten? You oh, know. God, yeah. kill me already. That's oh, the clip shows of this are coming. You, you right now. You may not realize it, dear listener. You're already living in a clip show. That's all history is now, baby. Well, and I feel like they had that recap of 2020, which already was like too soon. Did they do that? Yeah, on Netflix. Uh, yeah, that sounds awful. Oh, with Joel McHale, who we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joel McHale, we know you have hair plugs. This no. is the soup, baby. You're in the soup now. We know it. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about? So next scene also <laughs> has a title card, a family meeting, and I guess Frazier has decided. Not a good one. Frazier has decided. Well, that one's just not even a joke. That's just what this scene is. Yeah. Frazier has decided he's going to get a grip on his obsession with the untimely death of Dr. Gary Newman. That's not how the song goes, so I'm, I can confidently do it. Okay. The untimely death of Dr. Gary Newman by doing estate planning with his father and his brother and Daphne. And this is the part where I thought, how come he's not leaving anything to his son? Well, I mean, does Freddie c- want any of that garbage? 
you know, Freddie would probably like the money that it would get at an estate sale. I guess that's true. The whole plan, you know, Frazier's really bending over backwards in so many episodes to get Freddie into Harvard to make sure that Frederick can go to Harvard. You know, he does the whole TV thing so that he can make sure Freddie goes to Harvard. So, um, can I ask a insensitive question? I guess so. Lay it on me. Um, have you ever scoped up like your grandparents or your mother's house and see what art you want when they die? Um, I think about it sometimes. Well, my mother's, my father's parents died before I was born, so I didn't get any of their stuff. None of their shit. Damn it. <laughs> uh, and uh, my mother's parents are both already dead as well, and. Uh, so really, you're just we picking didn't, from Harriet. We stuff? didn't. We didn't get any of that stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's some things of my mom's that I'd like to keep. She has like, what is it, a china drawer? <laughs> you know, her house has already been broken into, so I don't want to go on the pod and, right, and say all have. the all the treasures within. But, well, yeah. I mean, there's her paintings or anything like of sentimental value. She's got a. She's got like an ancient Tibetan tapestry. That I think is probably worth a little bit of whatever, you know, but, worth, I mean, a, worth a little something. Like, cause like my grandmother has two portraits of herself that are like decadent New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I was a muse, like kind of sexy paintings of her. And one's like demure and one's like kind of wild. And I'm all, I've already kind of theoretically put my like, you know, sticker on that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens in this family meeting scene is that Frazier gives Martin and Niles stickers so that they can put their names on the stickers, and if they want any of Frazier's stuff, they can put a sticker on it to keep it. But Everyone, neither of them wants yeah, anything. Yeah, no one wants their, his stuff. Well, Niles wants his wine, which is kind of flattering. Like, Frazier brings out a bottle of wine, and Niles is like, oh, that's too nice, let's not drink that. And then before Frazier goes to put it away, Niles puts the sticker on it so that he can keep it when Frazier dies. <laughs> I also think there's something weird in that scene where, okay, there's no freaking way that... Frazier is going to die before Martin, right? Like, well, Martin's got to... Mart I mean, maybe. I guess... If Gar this guy if, died if, at if, 41. And we find out that Dr. Gary Newman was really in great shape and everything. And, you know, that's the next scene. But, you know... why? It's weird to leave things to your father to when you're going to die. Yeah, like, why wouldn't he just leave everything to Frederick? That's what I thought, too. You know, Frederick doesn't have any brothers or sisters. So who's going to get it? You know, leave a tasteful amount to charity, Frazier, and then leave it all to your son. I mean, that condo is obviously not real. We've This is this is a widely known Frazier factoid. <gasps> what? But I'll share it again. <laughs> is that the view that Frazier has from his condo is, is impossible. It's not like they just crammed a lot of Seattle stuff in there so people would get that it's Seattle. But, I mean, if that condo were real, it'd probably be worth, like, you know, five or six million dollars at least today. Because the view is so good? Because of how huge, well, it's enormous. I mean, even that, I don't know what Seattle real estate prices are like. I mean, you, there are probably two bedroom houses for that are five or six million dollars. I mean, this is like a 10 or 15 million dollar condo. And it seems like it's pretty high up on the elevator. I don't know. I'm sure that it's established in some episodes what floor high. it's on. Oh, more than that. More than that. Like... 14. 14 absolutely yeah. when you're really high class in the in the professions you know as a doctor or a lawyer you never want to go below the 14th floor the 14th floor is the absolute minimum i've felt this way for a long time about lawyers 
that uh, you never want a lawyer who works below the 14th floor on your case. But I mean, you might as well have a lawyer who works in a strip really mall in North Hollywood. And you don't want to wait for the elevator that long. Okay. There are buildings that have private elevators. <laughs> well, that not only have private elevators, but they have fast elevators. So you can get up to, for example, the 41st floor. But they're always getting in weird debacles in the elevator. You know, see, now here's what you're doing is I've inadvertently offended you because your lawyer is in a strip mall in North Hollywood. Um, <laughs> you think I have a lawyer? <laughs> okay, so, you my, know. My lawyer is in uh, Northern California, uh, <laughs> like in a cabin somewhere, Krista, sorry. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, anyway. Which is much nicer, I think, than uh I realize as we're saying this that there are a lot of lawyers who listen to this show, Yeah. and I don't know what floor of the building they work on, so They're let's... all on the first floor of their home right now, Nick. Oh, uh, yeah. But their homes are also on the ground, you know? Yeah. I'm saying you could live, you know, there's, this says tall buildings. This is a city with tall buildings. Get up in the sky, counselors. Anyway, what were we saying even? I feel like they have much nicer, like, nature properties, though. I mean, I don't know. I would rather nature than skyscraper. What do you think? Um, There is something interesting about the fact that Frasier doesn't live in a detached house that he lives in a condo yeah because i think part of the reason that the show is set in seattle is that to most americans at the time who wouldn't really have had any experience of it it's almost like a foreign city in that it it's walkable it's not suburban sprawl you know what i mean uh... there is a great deal of suburban sprawl all over washington i'm sure but i mean i think it's something about you know, having Frazier live in the condo, you know, live in a high rise, it's like he's a New Yorker, but without a lot of the negative associations of New York to the viewing audience. Well, I also think it has something to do with Frazier being a bachelor. Yes. And like wanting to have like a manly space um, yeah. detached of a bachelor pad, a domicile yeah. feeling. And then, of course, his father moves in and, and ruins everything. But yes. Whatever. Um, Anyway, they talk about how Frazier has elaborately planned his funeral to cope with his fear of death that's been brought on by the death of Dr. Newman. And Frazier has got binders. He knows what caterers he's going to get. Michelson's yes, caterers. Yes, very, very good. And him and Niles go off about the asparagus points and the, boat, the pasta bow tie salad that you get from Michelson's. It's, uh, it's like quality Frazier brother back and forth banter oh yeah and i love too that kind of the uh the catering angle comes back in this episode um that it you know part of the reason fraser's freaking out is that this guy dr newman is exactly like him so which is what the next scene is about but so before we get into oh, yeah. that uh basically he like Frazier is going through all of the issues and then gets to Daphne and Daphne and is like, well, you know, a lot of people who die, die at home and are discovered by people. So Daphne, this is where you come into play. Yeah, you have to find my body, <laughs> which is so demented. And, I mean, and, everything yeah. about this episode, <laughs> Frazier really, you know, this drama, is, a, mama. I mean, this is another episode where it really is like Cronenberg played straight. It's like Cronenberg without the Cronenberg. Yeah, and Daphne responds to say by that uh, by saying uh, something around the lines of, "Well, you know, as a 
home aid. I, As a healthcare provider, I've had my fair share of patients die on me. And Martin is just like, well, that's a relief to yeah, hear. Well, <laughs> uh, all right, next scene. Again, no title card. Inexplicable. Frazier's lying on the couch. He's got his fingers in his ears and his eyes closed because he's sitting there reassuring himself that he's still alive by listening to the sound of his own heart beating. And Eddie is watching him. Eddie raptly. is watching him. Yeah, this... Such a weird thing to do. I'm reminded of a line from Borges, uh, who in the short story, The South, uh, describes a man in the hospital contemplating his own death and sees an enormous cat in the windowsill. In Spanish, un enorme gato fofo, are the words that Borges uses. And he describes the cat as living in an eternity of the present. That, you know, man is condemned to experience time, but animals live in an eternity of the present. And this is, I think, kind of the dichotomy that we're getting right now between Frasier and Eddie the dog. That Eddie, you see Eddie living in the eternal present and Frasier literally counting the beats off his heart as he late like just sitting there waiting to die but that's how he makes himself feel alive i mean that's that's some heavy stuff <laughs> it's probably not what i would do to cheer myself up if i were feeling a little existential i wouldn't sit but there some people like to roll in that stuff yeah, frazier is wallowing in it hard this episode so anyway and i feel yeah. like so basically he and martin uh, have a tete-a-tete. -tete. A little heart-to-heart, -heart. yeah. And basically, Fraser is being so dramatic about this because there's still so much that he wants to be alive for, including like Oh, this seeing, is a wonderful moment. Uh, Freddie hit his first home run. And Martin's like, I'd love to see my son hit his first home run. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I know how that, that disappointment would be. And like, uh, something that I thought was sort of interesting is that like, how is Fraser supposed to see Freddie hit a home run anyway? Oh, yeah. I guess. I mean, that, you know, if I were Frasier's psychiatrist, I would certainly probe that probe that zone. But the episode really glosses over it. Really, you know, it comes, uh, you know, Freddie doesn't come up very much at all. Freddie comes up once in this episode. Maybe twice because he talks about his baby mama drama. Oh. A little bit, but not really. Yeah. Well, Freddie comes up now and then he comes up in the scene that's at, at the wake later yeah. in the, at Gary, at Dr. Gary Newman's wake. But not when he's doling out cash prizes for people. No, Freddie. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything's going to Niles and your grandpa. <laughs> Niles, who's and married the to the richest woman in Washington state and your grandpa, who's like, doesn't have too much long left either. Yeah. And, and also maybe even the housekeeper yeah all the priceless african artifacts are going to daphne <laughs> who um, doesn't like them and wants to put a towel over yeah their faces so anyway. uh i hope you enjoy working in the harvard dining hall freddie <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so my apologies to goodwill hunting basically jd vance uh martin is trying to be reassuring and says well you don't know anything about this guy you don't know what his life was like and Frazier is so cryptic and weird. He's like, you're right. You're I don't right. know anything. Well, this is this is a great moment because it's like Martin hands out just the tiniest little straw for Frazier to grasp onto. Like, yeah, maybe this guy was, you know, 
Uh, he says things like a morbidly obese pill popper or a heavy smoker or a raging alcoholic, you know, and Frazier's like, I might live because I'm, I might be healthier than this guy. Right. Um, and that's just the tiniest bit. Although we glossed over something. I want to go back to it where Martin, like in his little heart to heart with Frazier, he shares how he once experienced kind of existential despair oh, right. because he was on a drug bust and the he was the guy who went in the door before him got shot and killed and died so, before he hit the floor you know uh, listen it's a dangerous job and uh, and uh he starts talking about how later on when he was out on the force you know he would start freezing up he wouldn't want to go into a dark alley to chase a guy he wouldn't want to go through a door and he, so he just decided and this is the best like tough cop coping mechanism Ever, he just says like, "Oh, I decided to just forget about it," and he just pre- totally blanks it out of his mind. He never thinks about his buddy getting killed again, and so then he's able to go through doors, go into dark alleys with impunity. Of course, we get the little joke. The whole reason that Martin even lives with Frazier is that because he went through a door, uh, a little too perhaps hot, sure. yeah, a little too hot. He got shot in the hip, and. <laughs> And so that doesn't really console Frazier. But it's another little snippet where Frazier's story, again, to go back to one of my touchstones for understanding the Frazier universe, you know, Frazier's story is Cronenberg and Martin's story is James Elroy. Yeah. This is a, a great James Elroy moment from the life of Detective Martin Crane, Seattle Homicide. Um, anyway, next scene. We still need to develop that spinoff, that oh. prequel. Martin Crane. <laughs> Seattle Homicide. <laughs> or just uh, what would be, you know, the case files of Martin Crane. Yeah. And then, you know, that one could be a prequel series. I could, I would, I would really love the episodes when uh, his wife starts cheating on him. Those would be really heavy. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. Bring home the Emmy that season. And that's all, you know, that's, that's real Elroy type stuff as well. You know, the, yeah. the good love of a bad woman, the bad love of a good woman, the good <laughs> love of a bad man. The mediocre love of a mediocre person. Absolutely. And I mean, doing heroin, listening to jazz, Howard Hughes, Las Vegas, baby, <laughs> Jack Kennedy. That's great stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I, what were we talking about? Well, we're about to go to the funeral. Well, it's the wake. Okay. Well, they're, the si- they're sitting Shiva. No title card on this scene, by the way. But we go over there, and here's what I don't understand is, oh, no, there is a title card on this. It's Kugel, Frost, and Allen. I couldn't tell what? you what this is. Kugel is like no, I know Jewish Kugel food. Is. I don't know yeah. what the other ones are. Well, you know. Really you have to get that time machine sorted out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Frazier crashes the doctor's wake. And I remember at my grandfather's funeral, my great uncle was telling me that, you know, in the old days, you used to have wakes at home. And you would know that there was a wake on because they'd put a black wreath on the door of the house. So... My grandfather and my great uncle, apparently, all the houses in Bayonne, New Jersey, they'd walk up and down, and where they would see a black wreath on the door, they would just go in and pretend that they knew the guy so that they could eat and drink for free. Yeah. Because they lived in an Irish area, so it was a heavy, heavy drinking occasion, and they would go in and, you know... I'm sure the food was good, too. Glad hand... Sure, it wasn't. I mean, oh well, if know, it was the Italians, if it was the Irish be fine, area, but yeah. not the Irish ones. Fun fact: my mother grew up across the street. And this is the most New Jersey thing I've ever heard of. A duplex funeral home. 
And one half of the duplex funeral home was the Megliaccio funeral home, where they would do the Italian funerals. And the other half was the Sweeney funeral home, where they would do the Irish funerals. What about uh, half-breeds like me and you? (laughs) They get caught up in half and Uh, split? Somebody said that. Somebody brought, you know, an Irish funeral is a heavy drinking occasion. So this is the kind of instance where someone would say this to a seven-year-old at his grandfather's funeral. But they said, you know... Don't worry, when you go, well, they, they share the basement, so they'll just do you all in the basement, and then they'll put your legs in the Megliaccio half and your torso up here in the Sweeney yeah, half. Yeah, I, God, I hope that, you know, your Italian half is your lower portion. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's right. A little th- dick humor for y'all. <laughs> I, I think it's right down the middle. Oh, Honestly. so you're just uneven? Yeah, I'm like uh, <laughs> Harvey Dent, you know. Uh, anyway... What were we talking about? So, oh, so they go to the wake. There's more inconsistencies in this that also kind oh, of annoy where, me. How does Frazier not know what sitting Shiva is? Just from one, being a psychiatrist who went to Harvard. Two, from being married to a Jewish woman. Yeah, and uh, he even mentions that too. Yeah, well, because they keep everybody, they get, humor comes in threes. And this yeah. is part of the great Jewish American Catskill humor tradition. I appreciate that they bring it into this explicitly Jewish scene. Humor comes in threes, so we get the three jo- the three times people say to him, like, oh, you're not Jewish, are you? Yeah. Um, because he keeps on doing faux pas. One of the biggest faux pas is, like, uncovering the mirror. mirror. Yeah. I, even I know that one. Yeah, but uh, whatever. Anyway, it turns out also everyone in this wake is a fan of Frasier's show. Like, everybody recognizes his voice. Well, he says, oh, my name's Fraser Crane. Oh, I'm Dr. Fraser Crane. But people re- people know who he is. And they all light up when They're they see like, him. They're all like, oh, Dr. Crane, we love your show. We didn't know you were a friend of Gary Newman's. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get how Fraser could not know these things. But anyway, we hear some stuff. Finally, we find out that Dr. Gary Newman, less than 10% body fat, played pickup basketball four times a week, worked out every day, incredible shape. It's com- Vegetarian? His, vegetarian. His death is completely inexplicable, except perhaps from a lack of vitamin B12 caused by his vegetarian diet. Yes, you need meat to live, people. That's just, never mind that. That's, you know. Why are you looking at me? I'm I'm, I'm animal cruelty Molly over here. No, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there. These, these people, you know, they think, oh, I take supplements. Like, it's not enough. You need the beef. You need the beef. Also in my hinge profile. Anyway. um, (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Meat injections here. Is that what it says? No, it just says you need the beef. Really? No, not oh. really. I was really scared for a second. Every time, if you hear me say that something is on my Hinge profile on the podcast, you should know that that's a joke. Right. Well, I ran across it a couple of times, but I was just like, nah, <laughs> I'm not reading this. <laughs> I had to take out all the stuff about the pyramids anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's like, I can only be with a woman who accepts the indisputable truth that the pyramids are at least 20,000 years old. Yeah. I cannot be with a woman who is, uh, you know, so psyoped that she buys the other theory. What's the other theory? That they're only 4,000 years old. Wait, what? Yeah. That's what the mainstream, quote unquote, lamestream Egyptologists will tell you. But the truth is that the 
pyramids on the Giza Plateau are not tombs like every other Egyptian royal tomb, that they're actually nuclear reactors that predate the noetic flood. Oh, so this is like some brain melty conspiracy corner stuff? This is, this, you know, the conspiracy has been to conceal this truth from right. the people These of the world. Right, these are just hashtag facts then. Yeah. Okay. This is, if you if you decalcify your pineal gland, this is the truth that will be open to you. But you had to hide that because you are pretending that you're normal to get on dates. Yeah, of course. Okay, just making sure Of I course, understand. you always have to, you can't, you can't be telling things like this to women. No. They don't like it at all. No, they, they don't. They don't want to hear any pyramid stuff. I, I mean, but they love those MLMs. Multi-level marketing? Yeah, yeah, ladies love that. I know. I need to get with such a normie girl. I need to get with a total norm, norm-pilled yeah, get, girl. Yeah, get, get a pyramid And then just lay thing. that pyramid stuff on her over the years. Like, maybe once I've already got a baby on her, then I can hit her with some pyramid truth. Yeah, you'd be like, you need to sell all of this makeup. <laughs> To fund my research. Yes. <laughs> to fund my expedition to the Sphinx. Let's let's move to Michigan. <laughs> That's where all the MLMs happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Or um, essential oils is also another thing. I didn't realize that was so heavy. Well, those are all multi-level marketing things. Yeah. You, you have to buy so many of those oils. Yeah. <sighs> Rough. All right. So there's the anyway, funeral. And so, going off on a long tangent here, but... Basically... He finally gets to... He finally gets around to the widow Newman. And he starts to try to find out from her what, like, why she thinks Gary Newman died so young. And he looks her in the eyes and sees how distraught she is. And, and he he's can't... He's actually kind of grilling her for information because he's so nervous. He's about to go hard on her, yeah. But he backs off at the last minute. And he just says, you know, he's about to ask her, you know, hey, lady, why'd your husband freaking die? really bumming me out over here yeah and, and then he stops himself to his credit he's about to leave and she says you know dr crane i'm such a fan of your show maybe you could help me because we don't get an advice call on this so this is kind of the advice call that we get this week right and she says you know how do you deal with it when somebody when you lose somebody so inexplicably when somebody who's doing everything right still gets taken away from you you know I mean, this is this is one of the hard questions. This is something that people have grappled with, you know, from the dawn of, of humanity. Right. And there's no answer to it. So, I mean, but Frazier gets to give himself advice. That's what's great about this scene. Yes. Because really, this, you know, as much as this episode is really all about kind of Frazier's internal situation, you know, we, you know, we Roz doesn't come back. We don't get other scenes really with anybody. Because I, I feel like in like the the lesson that we're supposed to be learning from this is that sometimes the best way to to overcome something is to help someone else with it. Yeah, but really, we find out that there's no, you know. So Fraser tells her, "What is the advice that he gives her?" I don't really have any. Is what he, basically what he says. Oh, the best thing we can do is to live for the little joys and surprises that life affords us. You can't spend your life being obsessed with death. And like I said, this comes in threes. She hits him with a, you're not Jewish, are you? That's a punch. Yeah, that's a punchline. We go out on that. And Frazier starts to leave the wake, and he's grumbling to himself that he doesn't believe his own advice. And as he's about to walk out the door, this hot woman comes up to him and picks him up explicitly. And this is at a funeral... And she knows she's being trashy, too. Yeah. But here's the thing is, you know, this is like 
the equivalent of Frazier sitting there listening to his own heartbeat. You yes. know, like this lady is also going through something. We don't see her story, but you know, this is like, oh, this lady just needs to do something to remind herself that she's still alive. Well, that's, she yeah. says that it's because she saw how well he was talking to the widow, but we all know that people get freaky at funerals. Absolutely, because, you know, what else is there to do? But to create more life. Just to, yeah, feel alive. Just to feel anything, Being you know? Being alive. Okay, that's all I can sing without getting sued. And that's the end of the episode. Roll credits over Daphne throwing a towel over Fraser's hideous African mask. Well, and, she's, I mean, and there, he also has like sort of a, like a smug, like, buh, 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 still oh, got yeah. it kind he of. He walks out absolutely like the cock of the walk. Um, that, and it's, That's good for your death drive issues though. well it's totally like it puts a dark spin it's on all of Frazier's romantic conquests throughout the course of the series that it's like oh like here's a guy with trying a to outrun yeah, death crippling fear he's looking over his shoulder at the freaking reaper and the only this is like his drug you know yeah. some people do drugs for this feeling and Frazier's out there just trying to you know ooh, get up, get up yeah. next to somebody yeah absolutely and you know I mean, I don't want to say it's pathological, but it's pathological. It's it's creepy and weird. And this is like the Cronenberg angle on this episode. It's, yeah. It's like, what's the Cronenberg movie? Crash. Not the crash that's like about how like, wow, like racism, man. But the crash that's about <laughs> we how. About, I think we said this exact thing like two episodes ago. Were we talking about crash again? Yeah, oh, The probably. crash where people get turned on by being in car crashes. Yes. And that's fully what's going on with Frasier here. I mean... I like a little, uh, a little uh, cemetery canoodling. Oh Pretty goth. That's probably why Freddie's goth. Goth stuff. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Freddie's goth because both of his parents are psychiatrists. And Lilith has her kind of goth vibes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, she's like. Well, Fraser just likes, you know, stiffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's, we're we're at the we're at the end of this episode here. What do you think? Latte um, score. How many cafes latte out of ten do you give this episode? I give this one six and a half. Six and a half cafes latte. I honestly give this one five. Okay. I give this one five cafes latte. I think the title card thing just bothered me. Yes. I think the pacing was slow, and I get why the pacing was slow, but you know, kind of. It was not holding me in as much. And then I also feel like it was glossing over. You know, it was an episode that was supposed to be about these big questions, but then it just glosses over kind of the real deal with them. Like like you said, you know, Frazier's in denial about being a bad father. Uh, you know, Frazier's, being, Frazier's too busy being a father to his own father to, like, leave his son anything in his will. You know. Yeah, I think that the only the reason that I gave this a high score was just because of the madcap acting of Niles in this episode. I thought all of his like crazy Daphne jokes were pretty funny. Oh well, I mean, but you know, an another just weird stuff with between them. And uh, how does Daphne not? How is it a surprise? You know, when Niles is being such a creep constantly. Well, maybe she just thinks he's weird. Yeah. Anyway. These eccentric Fraser boys. 
She's a simple country girl. She, well, she's from Manchester. She's from England's Manchester. second largest city or third largest city. Yeah, but, you know, all of her stories are so horrific. Yeah, she oh, she's from, you know, the, she's, the she's from streets. a Charles Dickens novel. Yes. Yeah, anyway... Yes. Let's take a look at the old reader mailbag here on We're Not Listening. I've got a little something here. You do? I've got a little message that came in to us here if you'd like me to read it, and we can can grapple with this issue. Okay. Dear We Are Not Listening, I recently decided to plan my will, and I have concluded that I would like to leave my body to science, but... I have heard many shocking stories of abuses occurring to people's corpses after they have left them to science, including being exploded in military experiments and fondled by perverted medical students. (laughs) Please recommend what I should do. Oh, God. Okay. So what what do you think of this, Molly? Uh, Should this person leave their body to science, even though it might be exploded and it, or fondled? And I mean, they they left this in our mailbag bag anonymously, so they're just going to anonymously leave their organs. Well, I think this says give to science, so not donate the organs, but give like, to science. Okay. Yeah. Well, like you can straight up just leave your. They can take your organs out, and then they just bury the whatever the well, outside of your body. Uh, yeah, I mean. This is difficult because, like, you're dead, you know? Yes, you're dead. So you have to think, is my soul trapped within my corpse after I die? Thank you for bringing it back to ancient Egypt, Molly. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Plus, you know, I, I you're introducing the Egyptian so much, angle on this one. I've done so one. much research yeah. on cryogenics, right? And like people thinking that if they are put on ice, then they could just be defrosted. Well, cryogenics, I guess, is absolutely the opposite of freezing your body or of donating your body, rather. Where cryogenics, you're not even giving your body you're to the earth. Yeah, you're like keeping your body after death. That is honestly kind of the most. You know, that's something that if we went back and told the pharaohs about it, they would have their minds blown. They would be way into freezing their body. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of ties to that, too, because people who are in cryogenics also will opt to freeze their cats or their cats' heads with them. Oh, totally. So it really is like the worst, grossest, like, pharaoh, neo-future. But also donating your body to science, there's a kind of, you know, if you have a, a... utilitarian worldview right you know like jeremy bentham the father of utilitarianism famously has his stuffed body left on display so that they can get the most utility out of it and you know so from a utilitarian point of view it's kind of the best thing you could do but, but I, fe- I feel like there's there is something nef- creepy about nefarious it. about the bodies that are used for like medical students and stuff Mm -hmm. because even going back in time when all those people were literally killing people to donate their bodies to for money to like well yeah to to sell their bodies to sell the bodies to michelangelo and whatever yeah well no like uh in like the uh old london times oh yeah well i guess before there was an established program to donate your body they would just they would dig up paupers like Frankenstein is about this. They, yeah. they would go just dig people Ab- up. Abby normal. Who wouldn't be missed. <laughs> and I'm glad you went straight to young Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> whose brain is this, Igor? A- Abby's. Abby Normals. <laughs> but uh, but I think they would like get people super drunk and then like kill them. Oh yeah, kill them with ether. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they would also do that, you know, because it used to take two years to sail to China and back, and so in Seattle and in Portland. Oh, they have all those bars with like trap doors where they'd slip you a, a Mickey. This is what being Shanghai means. They would, you would like get knocked out in the bar and you would wake up on your way to Shanghai in the sailboat with no way to go back. That's how it. Right. That's how they'd get to cruise for those voyages. Whoa. Yeah. Well. Little Seattle history there. Uh. Also, like, I remember hearing that body world's bodies oh those are all chinese political prisoners yeah yeah those are all falun gong people that's why they're so flexible because they're (laughs) doing they're doing that falun gong yoga oh god yeah so i don't know i don't i would i would want my could you imagine i want to be burnt up or eaten by mushrooms yeah okay so i guess our advice boils down to don't be helpful don't help you know don't try to help you're not helping anybody i I think that donating your organs is one thing because someone can Mm. potentially get use from you well no i here's the thing though is that if you donate your body i'm sure there are like shady ways to donate your body where you know whatever you wind up forever you know playing poker in the body world's exhibit or like riding a giraffe through the body worlds or something horrible (laughs) like that but you know Doctors do need to train on cadavers. They do have to learn anatomy that way until some better way to do that comes along. Well, There's I guess really, we should, uh, yeah. you know, is this person who's writing into us, are, do they think they got a hot bod? <laughs> I don't know. Do you I'm, think that they're going to leave behind like a really nice Something specimen? worthy of body world? Or, you know, <laughs> are they are they hot enough for body worlds? Or are, are their like lungs like so f***ed up from smoking that they're interesting to look at when you cut through them yeah. with like the with the uh, ham slicer, you know? <laughs> I don't know if they deli slice them. They deli slice some of the body worlds people so that you can see the differences yeah. in their lungs. Well, I've seen that they that's the plot of the Neil Stevenson novel Dodge or Fall in Hell. They, they scan people's brains that way oh. after they die. But anyway, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess like all questions concerning death and man's finality, there really is no answer. Well, so... <laughs> I think the answer lies in whether or not they think that their body is, or their soul will be trapped within their body after they die. Yeah, if you think your soul will be trapped within your body, then don't do it. Yeah, but because then you, you're going to have to yeah. see some like med student groping you. But like, I feel like being burnt up would be a lot faster than yeah. being groped. Let your ashes fly free. Here's what here's what I recommend, and let's call this a compromise position: a Zoroastrian sky funeral, where they leave your body out on a big pile of rocks in the <laughs> Persian desert and allow you to be eaten by vultures. Yeah, that sounds. Or what about the Viking one? Where they put you in a Viking ship full of your slaves and burn you in the fjord? Yeah. Yes, also acceptable. <laughs> also acceptable. Thank you. This is We're Not Listening. I guess we're done. <laughs> All right. Bye. Or I mean, it could be our last episode. 
<laughs> you never know. You never know. Knock on wood. Don't tempt fate here, Molly. All right. If you want to have your question, your advice question featured on We're Not Listening, if you just want to keep up with what's going on in the We're Not Listening extended universe, follow the program on Instagram at not listening podcast and you can dm us your advice questions yeah. i've been making some kind of disturbing memes lately you can look at my disturbing fraser memes also um, uh you know write a review for us yeah write a review click like and subscribe uh you know all that kind of stuff T tell tell people what you think of us except give us five stars yeah tell people what you think but don't tell people that you like us yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it now all right, bye bye